welcome to our podcast, COP26 and the Journey to Change, a podcast brought to you by Visit Scotland's business events team. COP26 is all about change, the vital and necessary change we need to make not just as individuals, but as communities, countries and continents, the global journey of change to address climate change and its impact. In this podcast, we will be discussing how the issues of change and sustainability affect the business events sector, and also how business events can help bring about the change that we need. We will be questioning what we can learn from COP26 and what our industry can do to change itself. And we'll be examining the COP26 programme themes, including energy, nature, youth and science, to find those crucial intersections where business events can make a difference and help achieve the outcomes of COP26 and the UN Sustainable Development Goals. At Visit Scotland, we believe that business events are more than just meetings. We believe business events can be catalysts for social and economic change. As Scotland welcomes COP26, we welcome you to our podcast. Stay tuned, follow for new updates and enjoy. Welcome everyone, the session's about to begin. Please take your seat and make yourself comfortable. Please ensure your tea and coffee is topped up and feel free to shut down your emails and enjoy the session. Today, we will be discussing nature, and to help us in our discussions, we are delighted to be joined by Lisa Lawson, founder of Deer Green Coffee, and Scott Kennedy, co-founder and director of Revive Eco Limited. Our guest host today is Fiona McKinnon. Well, a huge welcome to both Lisa and Scott, and to our listeners. Today at COP26, the topic is nature. And we'll be exploring the work and vision and the mission of Deer Green Coffee and Revive Eco. How incentives can be used to give back to the wider community. And what event planners can do to make their events and incentives much greener. So huge welcome to you both. Great to have you with us. I'm going to start by asking you to tell our listeners a bit more about what you do, what your companies do. So Lisa, if I start with you, tell us about your organisation and the work that you do. So I'm the founder of Deer Green Coffee Roasters. We started the company in 2011 and I guess came from a place of passion for coffee, for the product and also frustration that we couldn't really get a high quality coffee nearby us in Glasgow. So yeah, I pretty much just bought myself a coffee roaster and started roasting coffee. And as I've progressed, I've learned a lot more about the coffee industry, about the product, about where we source from. And I've also, you know, spent a lot of time, I guess, creating a network in Glasgow of people who are interested in coffee, like to drink coffee. And uh, from there, we've got a really nicely established coffee industry in Glasgow and throughout Scotland as well and connecting with people around the world. So we literally what we do is we source incredible coffees from wonderful coffee producers in Latin America and Africa. We roast it in Glasgow and we supply it wholesale to cafes, restaurants, bars, offices, anyone. <laughs> and last year we became a bit more of an e-commerce business. So now um, we sell an awful lot of coffee online, connects a lot of home coffee drinkers too. 
That sounds pretty well-rounded, just like a good blend. (laughs) (laughs) And Scott, the same question to you. Tell us more about your organisation and the work that you do. I'm one of the co-founders of Revive and we are a circular, I would say, still startup operating in Glasgow. Um, So we're also heavily involved in the coffee industry, but from, I guess, the kind of opposite end of the supply chain. So we deal with the waste coffee grounds. The inspiration for Revive came from us working in cafes and being the ones to throw out bags of coffee grounds and I guess looking at that and thinking surely there's something better we could do with it. So we founded Revive in 2015. At that point we were kind of looking to create a fertilizer from coffee which worked on a kind of small scale but we thought there was much more potential within coffee as a kind of raw material. So that's kind of transported us to where we are today which is being able to produce a natural and sustainable oil from used coffee grounds which is a kind of direct replacement to palm oil which we're really excited about so basically any product be it cosmetics or food and drink that contains palm oil we can provide the exact same quality and consistency of material but derived from a waste product as opposed to kind of virgin palm which I guess as we kind of all know is very detrimental to the environment. So we're still kind of operating on quite a small scale at the moment, but have a lot of kind of exciting opportunities for us in the next kind of couple of months and years. That is really exciting. And something that replaces palm oil is huge. That's quite incredible. So you're both at very different sides of the coffee business, but both equally important. One, the growing it, and one is the the lack of waste. And to, to use it for that sort of purpose is quite incredible. Do you have other peers that, that you know that are doing similar work or is it quite unique what you're doing? With us, there's there's a couple of kind of companies that we know that are working, again, with coffee waste, but to produce totally different products. Ah, okay. I guess in kind of Scotland alone, we know kind of dozens of companies that are looking to do really interesting things with different waste material, be it kind of other food waste, be it plastic, um, shellfish, eggshells um you know you name it there's there's kind of people looking at it which i think for us is like it's it's really nice to know that we're not kind of we're not in a a boat on our own if you like there's a lot of other people out there with the same kind of ambition and motivation as us which kind of gives us confidence yeah that's what i was looking at to see that you're not in a boat on your own exactly that that sums it up perfectly fantastic and I'm going to go back to yourself, Lisa. How does your work support the wider community? I know you sort of touched on that in your first answer with the, with what you're doing and who you're working with worldwide. So I guess when I say wider community, I do mean worldwide rather than your local. But I know you work with both. So what would you say that your work is supportive in that way? Well, I guess when I first started out, um, I really wanted to roll specialty grade coffee, which is a very high grade of coffee, which wasn't really available locally. And uh, yeah, I wanted to throw single origins. I wanted people to understand that coffee, you know, was a plant and it came from all these wonderful varieties and could be processed differently and taste differently if it was from a different altitude or, yeah, different country. And I suppose from that point of view, I needed to engage with the community because it wasn't local. I wanted to promote it locally as well. So I had worked in Australia for three years and I already had connections there. I think communication had a you know, started a lot more on Instagram at the time when I started the company and Twitter. So there's those lines of communication were already open. And now they're, you know, I can have WhatsApp calls with coffee farmers and had one with someone in Colombia quite recently. So it's just that the way it's progressed over the 10 years of business has been going uh, has been quite incredible. So 
I helped to set up the European Coffee Roasters Guild, which is now part of the, the World Coffee Roasters Guild. And that's a brilliant community to be part of, which is part of the Specialty Coffee Association. I go to all the coffee festivals that I can go to to stay in touch with the coffee community. And I also visit coffee farmers um, not in the past 18 months, but every year I try and go to at least one origin. I've got to a point now I feel like I've made a lot of connections that I don't want to be uh, using that carbon footprint too heavily to be flying around the world but there is an aspect of really having integrity in what you do and making sure you have had those visits to farms to producers so we can fully understand um, their side of the supply chain and yeah more locally we started the Glasgow Coffee Festival and that was just because there wasn't one. <laughs> and, um, Brilliant! Sounds so, like a great plan. Yeah, yeah, so I think there was a little kind of group of people that had uh, what was called the Coffee Jam. And I uh, yeah, just tap into that community and it's grown over the years. Scott has been involved as well. I think we first connected when we had our uh, pop-up shop and then uh, Revive have supported the Coffee Festival ever since by taking the waste and promoting what they do. So yeah, I just think it's important always to have this wide network uh, to connect with producers, with other people in your industry internationally to keep up with trends, but also to promote that locally and uh, to have a local support network as well. Fantastic. And that's just amazing. And Scott, what would you add to that from your side? You've obviously, you obviously work together and collaborate anyway, but what do you do with the supporting the, the community, the wider community yourselves? Yeah, so I think for us, and I guess kind of much like Lisa's kind of touched upon a big part of our ambition is around kind of environmental sustainability. So for us, I guess, kind of benefiting the community is almost a kind of byproduct of that because, you know, we we all breathe the same air, we swim in the same sea. So I think by us kind of striving to create environmental benefit, it then kind of tangibly benefits um, the community. So I think obviously kind of directly through our work, we are providing, you know, the food and drink in the hospitality sector with a different more innovative more sustainable way to deal with their waste and then at the other end we are providing you know cosmetics and food and drink companies with more sustainable raw materials and i guess kind of internally as well we are currently going through the the b core certification process i know lisa and dear green are a fully certified b core which kind of going through the process we know how much of a kind of a slog that must have been a good slog of course <laughs> and, and I think that it's a, a way to kind of be transparent and, and show customers and stakeholders and everyone that it's not just paying lip service to the kind of values of the company actually kind of putting I guess kind of action into play over the last kind of 18 months I think we've created seven new jobs which again going from a team of two kind of growing that quickly has been really exciting and, and I guess that kind of sustainable job creation is something that we are passionate about and we are a kind of certified living wage employer and that's something that's really important to us as well making sure that we are you know any kind of jobs and, and livelihoods that we're creating are kind of well paid and, and well remunerated that's something that's you know really important for us as well. Fantastic and I think actually both of you have that as a as something that's important to both of your organisations which I think is amazing and I, and I forgive me I can't remember which of your sites I saw it on but one of you said you wanted to start your own business because of the way you were treated previously by an employer, which one is awful, but secondly, amazing that when you set up your own organisation, you do it in your own terms and living wage is so important. It's not minimum wage, it's living. So I totally applaud you both on that. That's incredible. 
So our next question is, with the businesses that you run, do you actually attend business events? And Scott, I'll go to you first on that one. And if so, which ones do you attend and why? I guess taking the last kind of 18 months out of this question, yes, we, we did attend a lot of events. And to be honest, it was a whole mix of different events. So, you know, as Lisa touched on, we went to a lot of different kind of coffee specific events. Events like that was always like they were just really good fun because we were able to kind of like build networks, but it didn't feel like a, it didn't feel forced in the way that a lot of networking events sometimes do because it's just it's just like an interest and exciting industry but yeah we also went to a lot of just kind of more generic networking events because the, the nature of like when, when we started the company we had just finished university so we didn't really have a lot of kind of networks or contacts in the industries that we were looking to kind of work in so that was just the kind of nature of the beast for us that we had to just kind of go to a lot of networking events and and I guess try and get our message out there and try and like build up our kind of credibility in the industry but yeah I, th- I think for us the the more kind of fun ones I would say are, are the ones that are more kind of focused on circularity and sustainability because you're in a room with people that are of that kind of same mindset and it it tends to kind of foster maybe kind of better discussion and and yet you feel like you want to be there not that you have to be there. Yeah and that's always a much better way to be and that's where ideas spring from when you've got like-minded people but coming at something from a different aspect. And the same to you, Lisa. Do you attend business events as part of your working time? And if so, which ones and why? Yeah, I didn't originally. I think because I started a company of my own, I didn't have a spare second for my own family and friends, never mind to go to anything (laughs) extra on my schedule. But gradually over time, I think I kind of hid behind the logo for a while. And over time, I realised, you know, it's actually good to kind of connect more. And there's a lot of value and you have to really decide what does give you value. And I think, you know, when we did the Scottish Edge funding, just to be part of that network has been incredible for me to be surrounded by other businesses that are startup, that are inspiring, that are entrepreneurial, you really get you excited to be part of that community. Uh, so that's one I feel has really helped me along my journey. And also like Scott, I think probably goes to the Circular Glasgow events. There was one just last week, which has been the first event since March 2020 or even earlier, possibly. And that was just really lovely to see people maybe you hadn't even met yet. <laughs> You'd only seen them on a screen. Yeah. And the little square. Exactly. You sort of hadn't even realised you hadn't met them because you chatted to them so often. You know them quite well. So that was brilliant. And that's you know there is an element of a bit of an echo chamber sometimes when you go to these events because of that sort of message you want to spread further and not just to the group of people who are already on board with circular practices Mm -hmm. or environmental sustainability or you know even with the living wage network as well you know that we've Mm -hmm. got the living wage awards coming up soon the SEPA awards were last week and that was online Uh, you know it's just nice to even connect online but to be honest we're so busy we just I you know I sort of dip into coffee events and then quite local events like Circular Glasgow and Chamber events and Scottish Edge generally. Good as you say time's precious you have to work on what's a benefit to you and where you can meet people that can help you and you can help them so those are good decisions to make there's only so much time we all have. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, So fantastic. And you're being very modest, but I will say that at the Glasgow Business Awards, which I know you were at recently, you were awarded the Green Champion Award. So congratulations again. Thank you. (laughs) I noticed you didn't mention that. So I'll just point (laughs) that out because that's pretty awesome. Well, I think it's time to grab a coffee. (laughs) 
make your way to the foyer, where tea and coffee will be waiting for you. We'll see you back here soon. Don't be late. We won't wait for you. So that's, uh, that's the mics off. That's us heading for coffee. So I suppose I should ask you the obvious question. Tea or coffee, Lisa? It's not a trick question. Most definitely coffee. <laughs> Thought you might say that. Yeah, always. <laughs> I, yeah, like I sort of, it's the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is make a coffee. I can't really function. As long as I have one to set me up for the day. Yeah. That, yeah. So do you have a favourite or do you change I it? I change it all the time. It's seasonal. So it just depends what, maybe what's new and exciting. Or maybe I've got a coffee I've swapped with another roaster. Right now I'm drinking an Ethiopian natural coffee, which we actually sourced last year. And we bought from the same producer again this year because it was so delicious. So it's from the Daco washing station. It's been naturally processed. So the coffee seed is dried inside the cherry. Ooh. And it's super fruity. It's like drinking sort of passion fruit and dried mango and oh lovely so what a treat oh yeah <laughs> my mouth water that sounds great i must order some from you and scott what about you tea or coffee only ever coffee um <laughs> i get it's, it's not like a, a brand thing but yeah I, I just genuinely don't drink tea at all mm. um so yeah coffee coffee all the way again not to great flatter lisa too much but it, it is always a bag of deer green coffee yeah. that i've got in the cupboard <laughs> so i I think just now it's a Brazilian one. I obviously I don't have the depth of knowledge Lisa does, but it's Brazilian and it's very nice. <laughs> That's all you need. So you'll both yeah. be delighted to hear that we ask on all our podcasts, we've asked everybody this question. And the way the rankings are going between tea and coffee, coffee is winning outright. So I thought you might like to know that. And then next question is, would you prefer, if there's a choice, would you go for networking or catching up on your emails? Scott, what do you think? I'd go for networking if it was the right kind of networking. Okay. Yeah. So if, for example, if there's a beer and it's with people who are like kind of like-minded people. Good choice. And Lisa, what about you? Right now I'd probably say inbox because it's sitting at about 200 emails and I can't seem to get it below Ooh, 100 these days. To get but to yeah, I mean, it was really refreshing to be at the Circular Glasgow event last week. And it, like Scott says, like-minded people are nothing better, especially after this time of just being staring at screens and being quite yeah, isolated. Yeah. So, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'm sort of on the fence. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. You're allowed to be on the fence. There's no right or wrong answers at all. And before we head back into session, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It doesn't have to be related to what you do with work. Scott, let's go to you. Good question. I think it's maybe almost that kind of like quote of, you know, if, if you want to travel quickly, travel alone. But if you want to travel far, you know, bring people with you on the journey. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go <gasps> for that. Yeah, love that. maybe feels a wee bit profound, but yeah, I'll go. I'll go with that one. <laughs> no, that's really profound, but I love it. That's great. That's a good one. Lisa, what about you? Something that just really inspires me is just nice people. And I just think that if you're nice, good things will always happen. And if you work with like good people and you are good to others, then yeah, your business will be in a safe place and yeah, your journey will be easier. That's also actually quite profound and fantastic. Sounds great. Oh, I think that's the bell. We better get back in. I hear the speakers are quite good this afternoon. The next session is about to begin. Please make your way back to the auditorium.
So our next question is, venues and organisations have been investing in making changes and working towards a more sustainable future for the events industry. What would you say event planners can do to ensure that their event is as green as possible? Do you already work with food offerings, incentives that organisations that are venues can can work with you on? Is that something that's in your planning? Is it something you already do? And I'm going to go to Scott first on that one. Yeah, so it's a really good kind of question. And I actually, before founding Revive, I worked at the SEC in the Hydro for about six years. So I was trying to kind of call back on some of my experience working in like the big events there. And I guess like it's difficult when when you've got like two, three thousand people like coming for like a lunch break at the same time. So like I I totally understand the complexities of, of trying to make, I guess, events more kind of sustainable i think like point one a a bit of a kind of shameless plug like working with companies like us um is one way to do that but i think kind of looking at that as part of the bigger picture just starting off by looking at all of the different stages of an event from where you source the material from right through to the waste and looking at actually is there ways that we could do different steps more sustainably and it doesn't need to be a whole kind of overhaul it could be one Mm-hmm. one step for the first event does that work yeah. yes no and then kind of continually working through you know iterations until you kind of find what what the kind of best model is one thing as well and i think sometimes with kind of sustainability and, and circularity it's maybe kind of overcomplicated or trivialized but i think like one of the easiest things is just by trying to source products from local suppliers, yeah. coffee from Deer Green, mm-hmm. beer from Drygate. I, th- I think that's something that kind of is often overlooked. And, and obviously, if, if you're sourcing materials and, and products from the city you're in, the air miles, you're reducing straight off the bat. So, so exactly. there's already like a huge tangible benefit. And, and I remember like events in the SEC people, you know, would from, you know, they'd be over from America and they would come up and ask, like, could they have one of the local beers and it would be like, mm. yeah, Heineken's the closest we can get for you. And I just think like it always seems such a shame that there was nothing kind of more local that yeah. you could bring in to events like that. And, and I think the kind of the final thing, and that's something we're really passionate about at Revive, is education. So if you have an event that has, you know, hundreds or, or thousands of people at it, what a great opportunity to try and kind of educate people about the kind of need to be more sustainable. Um, and again, not doing it in a kind of pushy you know our way is better than yours but but just using that as an opportunity to try and kind of change mindsets and maybe flag things to people's minds that they hadn't thought of before I just think that's a kind of great space to try and you know kind of educate people. Yeah all excellent ideas and you're right and I think so many more buyers are pulling in from local low food miles low drink miles and we have so much to be proud of that it makes sense anyway. Yeah fantastic. And the same to yourself, Lisa. I guess my experience comes from organising the Glasgow Coffee Festival. I think we've had five now and we've learned every year. And I got to the point that I guess I was kind of repulsed by the amount of waste that we created and I I needed to find a solution. So in 2018, we had the first ever single-use cup-free coffee festival in the world that we know of. Wow. (laughs) And I guess created a, a case study or set a precedent for others to follow to show that it could be done. Mm-hmm. So we were supported, luckily, by Keep Cup, who provided cups and rented them to anyone who attended. And in the following year, what we found was there was a real culture change, a shift where everyone brought their cup. Brilliant. You didn't need to rent. Uh-huh. 
they had a cup yeah. and perhaps they were already using it in their daily lives. So if we can help them save a cup every day of the year as opposed to just one or two days of the festival, then that was a huge gain. Uh, another, you know, it's a very much a, a independently run festival it's not profit making it's for the coffee community and the you know to promote what we do to the coffee consumers locally we have the stands built and then we we keep the the wood that we built them with in the same uh, size and you know sell them on for half the price on gumchi on the monday morning so mm-hmm. anyone who wants to go to a builder's yard and get their six by four could actually get a half price from us and you know there's a queue of people who want that and yeah. that's just a really sensible idea it saved us money it's cost saving mm-hmm. for an independently run festival that's trying to make break even essentially yeah. and there's so many circular or you know like our environmentally friendly practices you can implement their cost saving yeah. and I don't think anyone really thinks about it in that way they don't you know and to look at the bottom line it's almost like the first place to start yeah and if, if you're looking at like um net zero so many people pledging for net zero just now and that's that's like a you know that's like an instruction list of how to follow how to mm-hmm really um save just through good general practice and making that habitual i think the consumers are far more aware these days as well with cop you know it's an international conversation and i think that's becoming a mainstream conversation and more consumers are questioning and lots of other you know general stuff we could talk about collaborate with brilliant companies like vive another plug for you scott exactly um and we we collaborated with Moscow Dairy as well, who had um, a reusable milk bottles, a milk vending machine, which they actually put into cafes now, instead of going through lots of plastic milk bottles. Yeah. I mean, there's so yeah. much, if you just find the right suppliers to work with and the right support and the right collaborations, you know, start a B Corp impact assessment online and learn from it, even if you don't go through the certification and tap into your local network and who can help. I, I think it's also important and there's a shift now for change just based on the, this conversation that's in our headlines every day now. Fantastic. And, and both of you are, you're part of that journey anyway, and you're touching on the events world and both of what you do. And you're right, it comes down to the conversation. I think COP26 has concentrated many minds that maybe it wasn't a priority. It is the conversation of the moment. Everybody's talking about it and it's linking. It's like you've both said, collaboration, finding the partners, linking the dots. The easy thing about you've used it, pass it on, keep it keep it circulating. It actually isn't very difficult. The processors are there. The processes, I should say, are there to make it happen. It's just the actual, it's the doing it, which you both do. Final question for today. What are the goals for your organisation over the next two years? Obviously, you're both fairly young companies and you've grown hugely and the work you're doing is, has advanced massively. But what's your own goals for two years? And I'm going to start with Scott for that one. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes difficult to try and kind of plan two years ahead. But I think kind of this question gave me almost like a moment to kind of reflect and think, yeah, what is the kind of goals? And I guess like short term, we'll be launching our first product over the next kind of couple of months. So basically our oil within a kind of new product, which we're very excited about. Over the next kind of two years, growing our collections is a big um, ambition of ours. So we've just, again, collaborated with a, a company that does the collections for us on electric bikes. So we've now been able to make our collection model carbon neutral, if you like. But the biggest thing for us is building our first demonstration facility. So at the moment, we're still kind of operating on a small lab scale but we know in order to like achieve true scale, we need to be able to build a, a demonstration plant that kind of shows 
that we're able to do what we say we can do on a on a kind of industrial scale. So for us, like the ambition has always been to maximise the impact that we can create, and and the only way to do that is to kind of achieve real scale. So that's very much kind of what we're what we're all working towards just now. And obviously, to achieve that again, we need to continue growing the team. So creating more jobs, and again, as I think has been a theme coming through, just kind of continuing to to build relationships with companies that I guess can all all benefit from each other working together and, and have have a lot of fun while doing it, I think. That do you know that is the ultimate game, isn't it? Keep your partnerships, your networks and have fun. Yeah. That sounds pretty fantastic. And the same question to you, Lisa. What are the goals for the next two years for yourselves? Oh, all sorts. I think, you know, the last um, 18, 19, 20 months, I don't know where we're at now with it, but it's been <laughs> a huge uh, learning curve. It's been, uh, yeah, I guess it was a bit of a shock. March 2020, we kind of lost the business overnight and then built it back. And now we've sort of got two businesses that were running side by side with wholesale and e-commerce. So I guess we've learned a lot from that. And really, we're quite focused now on our e-commerce side of the business, which we weren't so much before. We are organic certified, so we're trying to grow the amount of organic coffee that we uh, source and sell uh, just for reasons of planet. Our main motto is product, people and planet. So um, we're just all about finding the best solutions for the planet in terms of the product that we sell, um, having the best people in place as well and uh, in our team uh, you know, people's about our customers or the producers uh, as much as about the team at Dear Green and, you know, always sourcing the best product. So for us, we're just constantly looking at all of that. We've pledged for net zero. We've certified B Corp and we've only just touched the surface. We, you know, we passed and we got the certification. We had just, you know, good business practices in place already. We just had to document them, essentially. Was your top tip, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like we, and we've done it, now got a, a whole community that we can just learn from. And it's really, really exciting for us. So we're, it feels like we're at the start of our B Corp journey rather than, you know, having the certification and sort of ticking it off. It's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. So in terms of our packaging, we have reusable tubs. We sell our beans and we want to increase our reach with that. So we have less packaging going out to wholesale customers. I'm just constantly looking for solutions. And then same as Scott, just wanting to scale, grow our team. And uh, yeah, just carry on just, you know, being being in business for the better goods yeah. and growing and sharing that message, yeah. Fantastic. You're both two very passionate business leaders and we all look forward to seeing what happens to you both next. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks to Lisa and to Scott. Thanks. Thanks, Fiona. This brings our session to a close. We hope you've enjoyed it and will join us again next time where we'll be discussing adaption, loss and damage. Thank you for attending today's session. See you soon. <laughs>